You're listening to 88.9 KETR in Commerce. I'm Mark Haslett. Carrie Mae Parker is the name of a woman who's been missing from her home in South Hunt County since 1991. Her story is the topic of an ongoing podcast series produced by KETR called Buried. Yesterday, Hunt County Sheriff's deputies and others searched properties in Quinlan in an effort related to the Parker case. Earlier today, I spoke on the phone with George Hale. Here's part of our conversation about this week's search. The Hunt County Sheriff's Office, along with a group that conducts dog searches and a ground-penetrating radar, sort of descended on three properties on the state highway that goes through Quinlan and uh, spent the whole day searching these three properties. And I think it was it was pretty significant because it was the first time that I'm aware of that they've ever conducted at least sort of an official search of the property that once belonged to the ex boyfriend of the missing woman, Carrie Parker. What are the likely reasons that law enforcement chose these properties to search? Property one and two were once the same property. And that property uh, belonged to Carrie Parker's uh, ex-boyfriend's family, uh, Cody Songer. There are these rumors that he was digging a big hole on his property around that around that time and that she was afraid. Different family members, including uh, Carrie's sister as well as her daughter have been asking the sheriff's office to search these properties in Quinlan that are that are linked to to the ex-boyfriend. I don't know if the police, you know, or the sheriff's office has found something to that made them want to speed up that search or if it was just the next logical place. That was George Hale, reporter and co-producer of the KETR podcast series called Buried about the case of Carrie Mae Parker. Law enforcement officials continued their search of the Quinlan properties earlier today. That was me on May 24th, 2019, talking to KETR's news director for the local broadcast of NPR's All Things Considered. I'm recording this on May 30th, 2019, a week after local authorities resumed searches for Carrie Mae Parker for at least two days. I mention these precise dates because they're out of sync with the rest of the podcast which otherwise is taking place largely in 2017 and 2018. This is the second time this year that we're breaking format to keep you updated about the case's developments. That's something we promised to do in the past. I think of it as a deal we made with the listeners. We produce the podcast in real time, and we aren't going to make you wait until the planned ending to hear any breaking news about the case, which seems to be happening more and more lately. On that note, as you just heard me telling Mark last week, the Hunt County Sheriff's Office has resumed canine searches yet again for Carrie Parker, this time at the infamous piece of land that a hitchhiker pointed Carrie's brother Glenn toward years ago. She used to hang around Carrie and Cody back in the day, and I didn't never know her real well. I'd seen her from time to time. You may remember from the first episode how Glenn described an area on the south side of State Highway 276. A woman he recognized asked him for a ride, and they started talking about Carrie. And we were talking about Carrie, and I don't think she really realized that I was Carrie's brother, that maybe I was a friend. Glenn estimates this was at least 15 years after his younger sister went missing. But I'd give her a ride, and said, do you want to know where Carrie Parker is? I said, yes. She said, turn down 34, turn down 34, and go past the police station, went past the police station, and Lord and behold, whose place does she pack out? The woman's name is Stacy, someone who was also once close to Cody. As Glenn tells it, Stacy pointed toward an almost featureless lot on the side of the highway that night. The only thing that really sticks out is a mound of dirt piled high. These people 
Punk County down here. I don't know if they're protecting a lot of the dealers down here. Stacy, the one that showed me the place, she's a dealer. As a matter of fact, the last time I heard she was in prison, I don't know if she got out, but uh, she was a pretty big dealer here back in the time. She never was a bad person. You know, that day that she told me that, that was all that she would say. She clammed up after that. Almost like she don't want to say something. I got the impression that if she did, it would put her in jeopardy. But the thing is, why would a woman say something like that out of the blue when we didn't really even suspect Cody in the first place? Yeah. And it's funny. Now, whether they've showed it to this day or not, I, I really don't think so because really ain't nothing changed on it. Fast forward 9, 10, maybe 11 years, not sure. But I'm pulling my Jeep into a parking lot next to a fireworks stand in the same area. Aside from a few civilian vehicles, I can see a sheriff's office car and two trucks with stickers reading Mark 9, which is a Dallas area search and rescue group. They were involved in searches for Carrie in the Lake Tawakini area earlier this year, as we reported in January and February. Just like the last time I showed up unannounced at a search, I was greeted by Sergeant Jeff Haynes of the Hunt County Sheriff's Office. He's the lead detective on the Carrie Parker case. We've butted heads in the past. He started by asking if Patricia Gager told me about the search. Patricia is one of Carrie's sisters. I said no. Then he mentioned a local journalist. Also no. I didn't explain at the time, but I'm happy to tell you. Nothing exciting. A guy I know was driving by, noticed the commotion, and texted me. I drove out to confirm, and it was true. Luckily, the detective didn't seem to mind me being there as much as last time, as long as I stayed far back from what was going on, which I did. Haynes declined to do an on-microphone interview, at first saying he needed to get back to the operations. The search seemed smaller and less intensive than the one I witnessed in January in the Waco Bay estate development, but no less serious. I later learned that that was because it was originally supposed to be a smaller area, but it got expanded throughout the day to include more and more land. They returned the next day to do at least one of the properties again. Before Haynes ran off, he explained that the search began with a property two doors down that Patricia had been hoping to examine with ground-penetrating radar weeks earlier. I'll go into more detail about the precise land boundaries, but at this point, we're still talking about a general area. Technically three properties, but really all the same place. Let's take a look back at episode two when Glenn explains some of the reasons he and his sister found this piece of land and their new hitchhiker friend so intriguing. We can Except check. maybe the dirt and stuff, but if, if there's any merit to that woman's story, even with the fact that Carrie and him were having problems, but if they had access to a backhoe, and they could have got rid of the car and all. And if it'd be my guess, that would be where she is. You can't dig through stone, and you have to have equipment to move it. So you're not accidentally going to find her. These are the letters, by the way, uh, for the woman in prison. Oh, really? Yeah. I ain't never seen them, you Patty. Ain't show me. She wouldn't never tell me any more information if she shut up. 
she just tell me where she was. Yeah. If they could get somebody to go in the strongest place and search all three spots. Yeah. For a while there was just the concrete with a little bit of dirt on top and the grass grows. And they built the fence in between right after my sister started advertising it on in the newspapers yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. All of a sudden they built a fence right there. Yeah. And that's kind of weird. Right. Yeah. But how can you sell all them other places? But you ain't going to see it sell there. And it's never been nothing but a dirt and rock storage place. And you got all this concrete on your property, ruining the value of your property. Why? Because maybe the car and hers under there. On this day, Glenn was explaining exactly where Stacy pointed before. He was also seeing, for the first time ever actually, a map that Stacy drew in prison and mailed to Patricia. The map was a bird's eye view of the Songer property from the 1990s, facing south from the highway. She drew an arrow to the back corner where the family supposedly once stored equipment. She wrote, I'm thinking here. Stacy was replying to letters Patricia had sent her in prison. In her letters back, Stacy was adamant that she didn't know if Carrie was buried on the property just that she had reason to suspect it. But that's not how Glenn recalled his conversation. What she told me, she was there. Okay, that makes a difference. She didn't say, maybe, or I think. She pointed over my, over me and said she's right there. You know, it, it's awful funny too that if part of it ain't truth, how come Hunt County ain't wanting to do nothing, they have never done no investigation over my sister. Yeah. And who's the first person? You're gonna know what they are, because who's the first people to go and come to? The family. Yeah, yeah you would know. Because family members or boyfriends or husbands yeah. are the first people they're gonna look at. Yeah. Yeah. Then once they grow you out, then they may go somewhere else. There's never, I've never been questioned. Yeah. Uh, we've never really got past day one. Why is that? Because you're covering some of your own backdoor stuff? The Songers moved their septic company to another county not long after Carrie disappeared. But they held onto that small sliver of land, the one I call Property One, for longer. Stacy, the hitchhiker and map drawer, spent some time living on property too. So that's part of why it seemed like such a big deal when she told Glenn about Carrie being there. But it wasn't just that. It was also that she knew Carrie's circle, and she was around it when she disappeared. Not 20 plus years afterwards, like the rest of us trying to piece this together. Um, someone had to tell her, and I'll tell you why. It's because when Carrie came up missing, and I verified it, Stacy was in jail. So when Stacy got out, she goes back to all these drug dealers and stuff that knows Carrie and Cody and everybody, and you know, the, the, the cat got out the bag. Yeah. One stumbling block for Patricia is that the present owners of Property 2 hadn't ever agreed to let her search the place in the last few years. Part of this stems from a hostile Facebook encounter between Patricia and the elderly owner, but that's for another time. Patricia told me during this same episode that she considered the owner's refusal to cooperate with her suspicious. So I kind of wonder what they know. There's there's something in there. There's something in there that's not right. That why would you do this? 
if I told you, or if someone told me, hey, I think there's a body buried out there on your property right over there. Can I go over there and look at it and, you know, do a search or whatever and see see if we find anything? I'm going to tell you, hell yeah. Something ain't right with that property and I don't know what it is unless she's there. It wasn't until January 2019 that the Hunt County Sheriff's Office started holding large-scale searches for Carrie. Over three days in January and February, dog search teams from across the United States scoured the Waco Bay estate development where Carrie was living shortly before she went missing. Patricia rejected those searches as fake and blasted the sheriff's office for much of the spring. A few weeks after the final searches in Waco Bay wrapped up, Patricia launched a fundraiser to pay for a ground-penetrating radar search on the easternmost of the three properties south of State Highway 276. People on Facebook who had been following Carrie's case eagerly chipped in, and the appeal quickly generated the money that Patricia said she needed to hire a radar company. She also announced that the landowner had agreed to let the company onto the property. But when that property owner got in touch with law enforcement to supervise the search, Patricia abruptly canceled the fundraiser and diverted the money to a missing person group that she had helped run. She also blasted Jeff Haynes, the detective in charge of Carrie's case. Good morning. Um, I wanted to do this live on Facebook, but it wouldn't let me. First, I want to say thanks to everybody for um, sharing and donating to try to help find Carrie. This morning, I got a message from the owner of the property wanting to know who I had um, to come out and what time and day. So I sent her the information, and then she comes back and says she's going to let Jeff Haynes handle it. Jeff Haynes was out there with her this morning looking over the property. Jeff Haynes told her he didn't know anything about no map or that area or whatever his freaking lie was to her this time around, but um, I started to wait so I wasn't so upset when I um posted the video, but I just want y'all to see this is what I've had to go through for the last 28 years, especially more so in the last 10 years. I, if I would have wanted Jeff Haynes in my business, I would have told him. But the problem with that is, is he says that he wants to be involved because it could be a potential crime scene. Well, it wasn't a potential crime scene until I decided to act and do something. Now it is. And he says he didn't know? Really? Just like the season he didn't know she went missing in? This is the kind of incompetence you got running your Hunt County Sheriff's Office. Now we shouldn't have to sit here and pay for a search on that property for Hunt County Sheriff's Office when they're already paid to do their jobs. So now I don't know yet what I'm gonna do. Um, if I cancel, I'm gonna give everybody a refund. I'm just sick of this. It's been this way from day one. I don't want to mess with Hunt County. I want someone to come in and do something. Nobody will do it. There's one last piece of audio I want to make sure we play before wrapping up this update. But before I do that, I'm going to read a short note that Carrie's cousin posted on Facebook about the searches last week, quoting a sister. It's pretty much the latest I've heard. 
I received an update this morning for which I am very thankful to have received. I was not asked to keep it on the low. To date, the old Songer property, as well as Parks Recycle, have been thoroughly searched, and it appears they are 98% certain Carrie is not in these locations. The dogs did not hit on anything, and neither did the radar, but the results have to be reviewed by several sets of eyes, which is why it's 98%. Today, meaning last Friday, they are looking at the outer perimeter of these properties. Finally, I'm going to conclude this update by playing a few highlights from episode 12, The Cody Call. During that conversation, Cody offered to undergo a polygraph exam, and he urged law enforcement to search his family's former property to clear his name. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to meet with you or nothing, man. I'm, I'm getting really kind of tired of this. I've already talked to the police. I've told them that I would submit to a lie detector test and all that crap, and I'm just, I'm done with it. People, people talk to you. They're accusing you of something, right? Yeah. I want, you know, just to be clear, I definitely am not coming from that perspective at all. I'm just trying to talk to everybody who knew her. This is not about, yeah. you know, my story is just about the police, the investigation, why there wasn't one, you know, the whole thing. So how long ago, honey, was that when that investigator come down here? I'd say about six months ago. You know, something like so about. I'm not, I'm, not exact on that. I'm not really for sure, but he come from Texas and, and yeah. he went down to the station and talked to me. And that's, that's the first I've heard of it in a long time, you know. Yeah. But, and I, what I, I gathered, man. Was, they did a poor job investigating it, and they're just trying to. And that's why I told you, I feel like you're just trying to push this stuff on me. And I told him I would take a polygraph. Now I'm a polygraph. I'll be honest, back then I was a thug. I was, you know, a drug head. Yeah. I was a thug. I was a drug head. Yeah. And I met her through my drug dealer. Took me over and introduced her to me. And I come over that night, took her up and moved her mind out. Uh huh. But uh, is that Ricky? I was pretty much addicted to sex myself, you know. Well, you were a but, young man, so. Well, I was, I was, I, you know, she's my friend, but I was really f***ed up on the wrong path. Yeah. Know? And I, I have, since then, I have found the Lord, and I try to be a Christian, and I'm struggling with it every day. I have a foul mouth. I heard one story where, not from this cop, but, or it might have been from that cop. I think it might have been that cop or something that, that they thought that she might be buried on our old property and all that. We had a septic system business, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Where does that come from? I said, man, you can dig all you want to there, but I don't think she's there. And I told him, man, you know, and he kept on, you know how they tell you, oh, you know where she's at, you know, you know, you killed her and all this. <laughs> man. Kept on, no, I don't. No, I don't, man. I, you, know, you can say that as many times as you want. I'm going to tell you, no, I don't. Buried is a production of 88.9 KETR-FM in Commerce, Texas, and of KETR.org. Its host and principal reporter is George Hale. Executive producer is Jared Knight with production help from Emma Anderson. Theme music is composed and performed by Brad Davis, and cover art was designed by Crystal Sid. You can catch up on previous episodes at KETR.org buried, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.